In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Dear faithful, St. Paul, in today's epistle, praises the Thessalonians for the very fervent response to his preaching, the fact that they had, in a relatively short space of time, become very devout, when up until recently, they had been worshiping idols. Have you ever wondered, why does it seem that there is such an immense gulf between us and, between, and the Catholics of the early church? How is it that so many of them practiced, practiced a charity towards God and towards neighbor so excessive as to embarrass the likes of us? They were so ready to lay down their lives because of their hopeful expectation of the life to come that we, who tremble every time the airplane hits a bit of turbulence, seem to have no understanding of their frame of mind. The Greek word for martyr signifies a witness who testifies to a fact of which he has knowledge based on his own observation. And it is in this sense that the term first appears in Christian literature. The apostles were witnesses of all they had observed in the public life of Christ, as well as all they had learned from his teaching in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and even to the uttermost part of the earth, says the Acts of the Apostles. St. Peter, in his address to the Apostles and disciples relative to the election of a successor of Judas, employs the term with this meaning. He writes, again in the Acts of the Apostles, Wherefore, of these men who have accompanied with us all the time, that the Lord Jesus came in and went out among, among us, beginning from the baptism of John until the day he was taken up from us. One of these must be made witness with us of his resurrection. Thus, St. Stephen was a witness who early in the, in the history of the Catholic Church sealed his testimony with his blood in being the first martyr. The apostles were constantly faced with the gravest of dangers to their lives until eventually all except St. John suffered death for preaching the resurrection of Christ, which they had witnessed with their own eyes. Thus, within the lifetime of the apostles, the term martyr came to be used in the sense of a witness who at any time might be called upon to deny what he, what he testified to under penalty of death if he refused. A martyr or witness of Christ is thus a person who, though he has never seen nor, nor heard the divine founder of the church, is yet so firmly convinced of the truths of the Catholic religion that he gladly suffers death rather than deny it. St. John, at the end of the first century, employs the word with this meaning. Antipas, a convert from paganism, is spoken of as a faithful witness who was slain among you, where Satan dwelleth. In the book of Revelation, chapter 2, verse 13. Further on, this same apostle speaks of the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. Most often, the first part of a martyr's ordeal was his arrest by an officer of the law. In some instances, the privilege of what was known as free custody granted to St. Paul during his first imprisonment, was, was allowed before the accused was brought to trial. 
Saint Cyprian, for example, was detained in the house, the very house of the officer who arrested him and was treated with such consideration until the time set for his examination. But such procedure was, was the exception to the rule. The accused Christians were generally cast into the public prisons, where often for weeks or months at a time, they suffered the greatest hardships. The book of the Acts of the Martyrs recounts their sufferings in vivid detail. Saint Perpetua, for instance, was horrified by the awful darkness, the intense heat caused by the overcrowding and the climate of Roman Africa, and the brutality of the prisoners. Other confessors allude to the various miseries of prison life as being beyond their powers of description. Deprived of food except just enough to keep them alive, the same for their water, deprived of light and air, weighted down with irons, or placed in stocks with their legs drawn as far apart as possible without causing a rupture. They were exposed to all manner of infection from heat, from overcrowding, and the absence of any proper sanitary conditions. These were just some of the afflictions that preceded actual martyrdom. Many naturally died in prison under such, under such conditions, while others, unfortunately unable to endure the strain, adopted the easy means of escape left open to them. They complied with the state and offered sacrifice to the gods or to the emperor. To return to the original question, why does it seem that our virtue lags so far behind that of so many in the early church? We may not have witnessed our Lord's resurrection and ascension with our own eyes, but do we not have the witness of 2,000 years of church history? Do we not have the lives of the saints in so many miracles and Eucharistic miracles so that the faith, that even fearless faith, should come to us with less difficulty than it does? What is the cause of our habitual lukewarmness in the greater number of us. If there is something that most of those Catholics of the early church understood in a far more visceral way than us, it is perhaps this. Our religion is not just a set of ideas or a system of philosophy, which is more or less negotiable. It is very real. It is set in stone, and so are its consequences for our lives. It is the truth of our Lord Jesus Christ himself, who is the way, the truth, and the life. And it is only in boldly professing it without shame or compromise that we will be able to happily correspond to these words of our Lord. Everyone, therefore, that shall confess me before men, I will also confess him before my Father who is in heaven. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, Amen.